way we grow and produce food is ever-changing, shaped by consumers and the climate in which we live and farm. Research at all points of our food system is essential for continuously improving food's journey from farm to table. The Manitoba Agriculture and Food Knowledge Exchange explores timely research innovations and applications that make our food system better than ever. Join us for today's podcast. Welcome to the Manitoba Agriculture and Food Knowledge Exchange podcast. I'm Jordan Sasiwa, and today we're talking about your food and the microbiology of food safety. We really wanted to find out what's happening at that microscopic level. So we went to the University of Manitoba, to the Faculty of Agricultural and Food Sciences, and they said, you got to talk to Dr. Claudia Narbes and Dr. Claudia, I understand that a lot of your work has to do with the microbiology of food safety. Yes, that's correct. And this is for those of us that are that are listening that, you know, when we're watching TV or when we're, we're seeing things in, in the media about disease or, or concerns we should have with our food, you're the, you're the person making sure that the research is getting done to keep us safe. Yes, that's uh, right. When the food industry had concerns about any food safety issue or a quality issue that's related to microorganisms, we uh, normally get a call into food proposal forward to kind of help to solve those issues, and we get funding from these uh, different places, and then we make sure the research is on place to kind of solve these issues and make food as safe as we can. And, and I guess that's the thing for for us, the public, to, to trust the the to trust the producers. Food producers are actually out there looking for solutions any time that there is an issue. Correct? Yeah, they they do because sometimes they don't understand the biology of these microorganisms, and they for sure need to do some partnership with universities, our scientific you know institutions where we can do the research answer the questions they have the best we can, because in science, you not always can get all the answers. Sometimes you get even more questions, right? But it's what we do, and that's what makes research so interesting. So with, with that being said, with the questions and with looking for answers, one question I've always had is, are all bacteria bad? No, Jordan, you have really good bacteria in your body, which is uh, part of your normal flora or bacterial community. And that, that also pertains to food, correct? Like that's. Yes, that's right. Our food um, are coming from different sources. We have animal sources, vegetables, fruits, uh, fish, what have you. All these living entities we are consuming, they all have a natural microbiome or natural microflora, which is part of their immune system and their protection, that they will have a role fighting against bacteria, right? So yes, we have a lot of good bacteria. Outstanding. That's a good place to start because I think that when we know that we don't have to get rid of all bacteria and and certain bacteria are going to be present in our food, it kind of it's a calming effect to that, right? Like as, as somebody that I got to, I have to eat. So if I'm scared of my food, then I've got a problem. So knowing that it's okay to have some bacteria on that is, is, is good. But that bacteria, there is some resistance issues. This is, and this, I guess, is part of your research is the, is the resistance of bacteria. Yeah. Um, 
because we do have a normal microbiome or not natural flora, microbial flora, every time we get treated with antimicrobials, like antibiotics, because you have a sore throat, and then you get a prescription from the doctor, and then you take your antibiotics. Sometimes the bad bacteria that's causing the infection may develop some resistance, but also your normal flora could also develop some resistance. And that resistance that driving sometimes by genes and they can share genes like different bacteria can share genes which is each other so that's a problem for sure and and that that problem so different bacteria i guess mutating would be a, a good way to say that yeah, you can say that they can mutate they can acquire genes from other bacteria we call those uh, mobile genetic elements okay so mobile genetic as they elements as they kind of as, as different bacteria interact they change how they protect themselves i guess is, is kind of the yeah they do it's like sharing information right it's like a you and me you're asking me oh i need to the, to go you know to get my car fixed you know a good mechanic and then oh well you can go here and there like a bacteria can talk to each other believe it or not Well, if the doctor says it's happening, I'm believing it. So what are bacteria doing now? So how are they changing? How is some of the adaptions that you are seeing or the protections that they're they're kind of coming up with? Well, bacteria, they have different mechanisms to adapt to stress conditions like people, right? We have our mechanisms to cope with stress. Bacteria can do the same, and they have different... um, genes that they can use when they are exposed to stress. For example, antimicrobial resistance or resistance to antibiotics will be an example. Another example would be the formation of biofilms. And biofilms are heals that bacteria can form. How they do that, they can, when they come becoming big communities, uh, meaning that you have different bacteria living with other species or with the same species in a specific surface, they, if they like the place they are, they can form these muco, muco, mucoid substances and they form a shield. Uh, this shield over time will harden and will protect bacteria. It's like when you're in your house and then you are protected from the environment. You are warm, you are cozy. So it's the same for bacteria. And that's a way for them to kind of persist or resist in the environment. So we've got we've got good and bad bacteria. And now you're telling me we've got biofilm mm-hmm. that is produced by bacteria. And it's that that shield, that's the biofilm. That shield keeps these good and bacteria, good and bad bacteria safe. So if I want to remove bad bacteria from my food or from, from even a surface, I guess, in my house, how do, how do I get rid of uh, uh, biofilm? the biofilm? Yeah. But the biofilm, you can find biofilms in your house, normally related to surfaces, not necessarily to food. The concern with the food items is that if you have a biofilm in the sink in your kitchen or on your countertop, and you don't clean it well, and then you place food items on that countertop, and if you have a biofilm 
harboring bacteria, they can cross-contaminate, meaning that bacteria can transfer from one surface to another different surfaces. So one surface that's contaminated with bacteria can transfer to the food item you're placing in that surface if you don't clean it properly. So to get rid of biofilm, you have to use me mechanical removal or elbow grease. And if you want an example of a huge, ugly biofilm, you have to go to your bathtub or your, the sink in your bathroom. And then, you know, when you get a lot of hair yeah. there and then you're trying to get rid of it so that water can flow again and then you get this black thing going on. That's a huge biofilm. That's an example. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great yet horrible example of that. Now, you've also got some interesting research in removing biofilms and, and that with, you said, you had, we talked off air and, and you called it a bacteriophage. Oh, yeah. There are, in nature, millions or billions of little viruses that are specific against bacteria. Meaning that, let's say we had a flu virus, which is causing, causing disease on people because the, the target for these viruses are mammals, right? In the case of phages, they are very specific only against bacteria. And they are very specific about some types of bacteria. Let's say, for example, we have phages that can kill salmonella, different phages that can kill listeria, which are bad bacteria. So now we are doing some research, isolating these good phages, and we are trying to use those phages to um, kill bacteria that can be in a biofilm or bacteria that can be contaminating food. And that, those are considered, those viruses are harmless to humans or mammals or plants. They only kill some type of bacteria. So these bacteriophages are basically keeping humans safe because they're targeting the bacteria. And, and that's part of your research, I imagine, or the research that's out there is what, what viruses to introduce to make food safe. Yes, that's, that's right. And we already have viruses like phages in our body as a part of our normal flora. So you can find bacteriophages in dairy products and vegetables and in your own gut flora. So that's that's normal. Now, I, I think great conversation, eye-opening conversation. I think I would be amiss to not ask this question. Should we be scared? Should we be scared of bacteria? Yeah. I mean, to a, to a point, to a degree in everything, but as, a, as an expert, do you still eat food? Of course. I'm not germophobic at all. I like my normal flora and I am grateful because it's like keeping a balance. Uh, I will say that you shouldn't be scared too much. You always have to be aware, but I always say when people ask that kind of question that everything you do in life conveys some kind of risk. There is always a likelihood that when you are driving your car, you're going to have a car crash or you are flying for holidays. You may have, you know, an accident or something can always happen. And how you have a peace of mind because you're trusting that the people that are manufacturing cars, they are doing everything the best way they can. They are doing the safe tests and 
doing all the due the diligence. It's the same with food and the food industry. We can only trust that the food industry is actually doing the best they can to manufacture safe food for Canadians. Also, we had regulations, we had the government, we have Public Health Canada, we have CFIA developing procedures, and the food industry is following those procedures that are targeting food safety. So, and they also put money on research. They provide a lot of the funds we use at the university to do research because they need, or they are asking questions about how to produce safer food. And so that's how you get your funding as, a, as, a, as an entity at the University of Manitoba. It's actually the food producers who are stepping up to say, we see some concerns, we need the answers. Is that, that's how this works? That's how that works. They normally will identify issues and they will try to fix it. When they cannot deal with it, they will open um, proposals. For example, they have food safety calls and they will call for different areas where they are having issues. And then you will propose a research. They will assess is that what potentially will answer the questions they have and then if they approve, then you will receive the money. And that's how you pay your graduate students. And then you get your supply for research. Dr. Claudia Narbes, thank you so much for joining us on the Manitoba Knowledge Exchange. Very eye-opening. And I'm, I'm grateful you, you took the time for us and look forward to reading more of your research. Uh, there is always a pleasure when I get to talk about what I like. So you're welcome. Thank you so much.